Good morning, everybody, and welcome to the Successful Trader of the Month webinar for November 2015. Before we get going, we would like to remind you that this presentation is for educational purposes only. Uh, we're not broker-dealers or financial advisors, and we're not making any specific trade recommendations. Also, be aware that the risk of trading options is substantial, and make sure you are aware of all your risks prior to placing any trades. We will be going over a live trade today. However, in the event we do any hypothetical computer simulated trades, they are believed to be as accurately represented as possible, and live results may vary. So for the purposes of this meeting, Successful Trader of the Month is a program that Sherry and I have come up with to reward and honor those traders who put in the work and as a result are doing awesome with trading. They receive a prestigious lock in your success hat and also are able to be entered into a drawing to attend one of our uh, events for free. Successful Trader of the Month is also for you, the aspiring trader, because by having uh, those successful traders share their experiences, we'll be able to and be able to evaluate and gain their insight. You too can gain insight and hopefully become successful much faster. A trader can qualify for Successful Trader of the Month in several ways. First is to provide a trading plan and a recent trade that we'll evaluate. Second would be by standing out and helping the community. This might be through sharing information, providing guidance, or providing encouragement. And third might be if I notice someone who breaks through a significant barrier or overcomes a challenge. And another reason might be for creativeness. In other words, someone who successfully adapted their trading to their unique personality, whether it be through one of my styles or someone else's, or even better, maybe something they even came up on their own, which is a great, uh, which would be a great thing as well. Today uh, we are speaking with our uh, with Mike Schwartz, which is uh, our November this month. He was chosen due to an exceptional track record over the last three years. I believe uh, he's posted over 100% annual returns, uh, three years in a row, which is which is uh, to me a breakthrough. So good morning, Mike. Good morning, John. Thanks for having me on. Uh, yeah, you're, you're welcome, and thanks for coming on. I really appreciate it. So uh, before we get into a trade example we're going to have, I think it's just really important that for people to understand you know, the, the person's journey and, and, and what it takes to become successful at trading. So I was wondering if you could tell us a little bit about yourself. Um, how many hours of the day do you have? Um, <laughs> um, let's see. I started... Um, really getting into trading back in 1998, um, right during the tech run-up. You know, I was one of those guys that was started learning a little bit about options and quickly ran a $70,000 account up to about 700, 800,000 before the drop and the fall and no clue of how to exit gracefully. So thus I'd say that he, uh, the real journey uh, began, and um, I'd say uh, one of the things about me is that I'm extremely passionate about trading. It's in my blood. Um, no matter what work endeavor I've been involved with over the years, I've always uh, done trading, made time for trading. Um, and uh, it really wasn't until, I'd say, uh, 2012, when you know I was fortunate enough to to talk with Seth and meet you know meet you, and really kind of took two things to heart, which was try to find one strategy and and learn it, you know, in and out, in and out, in and out, in and out, do it all, you know, till you know all the nuances of it. And uh, I think for me that was the biggest breakthrough through was to you know find one thing and and work the living crap out of it until I really understood the nuances of it, make it my own and stuff. And obviously it was a good trade, a good foundational trade as well. But um, that, that was the big game changer for me amongst. And then, it's, ironically, that's when a number of other game changers started to happen. Right. So, so you're saying you started, so you've been trading a long time. I mean, 1998 yes. is, gosh, that's almost 20 years ago. And uh, what were you, directional trading back then? or? Um, all over the board. Um, I mean, I I did day trading. I, I taught day trading for one guy, um, and directional. Most you know, mostly directional trades with options. But then started doing a lot of different types of rights. Uh, 
I would say, more directional base. And then I started getting into the iron condor flavors, the high probs, you know, kind of like the normal student progression. Start with the high prob condors until you get whacked a few times. Start, <laughs> start bringing in the wings a little bit closer and start learning the nuances, you know, of those. Um, and over the years, though, when I really started to look at my track record, no matter what other methods I came to, all my best results were typically in the um, in um, selling options and doing option trades. It just I just needed something that I knew I could do on a more consistent basis because my results were all over the place, um, you know, which was very frustrating. So it was really nice to finally turn the boat around and, uh, you know, practice what I preach because I love to talk like you do. I love to help other traders. Um, I've gotten into coaching myself and, and you know, and one of the big benefits of that is it keeps you honest <laughs> or at least it keeps yes. reminding you of the things that are necessary in trading. <laughs> right. You know, one of the things I find is that, I mean, I've come a, I mean, I've, I've come a long way. I, I, I didn't start trading until like 2006 and, um, I think a big part of that is just helping other people. By helping other people trade well, you you just you gain so much knowledge very quickly. It's very uh, very cool. Absolutely, absolutely. So back to this, you run. So you had this fantastic run when you first started, and then things kind of fell apart on you. Why do you think they fell apart? Um, I, I think I've done the poster child uh, for the typical, you know, trader that we hear about, um, you know, either searching for the latest and greatest method, number one, number two, I'm, I'm, I've got a very ADD personality, so it's very hard for me to stay narrowly focused uh, with a, even though I'm a big process kind of guy, <clears throat> overall, fulfilling a daily process, daily routine, um, you know, putting process around uh, this business of trading uh, took a while for me to figure that out. And then lastly, um, again, I so one of the things I do here, John, is oh, for over five years now, about eight years ago, I started a local meetup group with the focus of business trading as a business um, mm -hmm. because I felt that results were not based on methodology they were based on process um, and that there's a million methodologies to make money out there and then as I started to look inwardly and start focusing and having those discussions about believing that if 90% or 80 plus percent is psychology why aren't I focusing on, on that aspect of it. So I started looking inward and I think that's again between finding that methodology and then practicing what I preach, um, really focusing and then this year I took another huge leap and probably cranked it up to 95% reading about psychology, reading about discipline, reading about you know goals, mini goals, habits, all the things uh, again I think have really helped even though I'm still ADD <laughs> I still screw, <laughs> I still screw up regularly I mean one of the ironic things is if you had any idea how many mistakes I've made this year um, how many mistakes that cost me a lot of money and still I look at my results and I'm scratching my head being very thankful that overall my portfolios are about two times my plan for the year right I so, think I think a lot of uh, newer traders don't understand that the experienced veteran traders who are doing well are experiencing the same thing they're doing. You know, we're buying buying options instead of selling them. We're, um, you know, so getting. We have stresses that hey, the trade's going against us and all this other stuff. We still have that. It's just the way we interpret it and the way we deal with it is different. Absolutely, you, you know, knowing that when you do make a mistake, you got to address it. You know, you can't, you can't, you just have to address it and, and move on. And if it's in the last 30 minutes of trading, it's a little bit stressful and a little bit, you know, more frustrating, but you just got to keep, you know, as, as who said, somebody said to me recently, and I'm always trying to listen and learn, you know, their motto is 
you know, just as simple as next, meaning that no matter what just happened, move on to the next trade, move on to the next whatever. You, you just can't dwell right. on what just happened. You just yeah. got to move on. Um, the other thing I heard, uh, which was great, is try to learn 1%, one, 1%, 1%, try to improve 1% a day. <laughs> if you think about that, in, in, in a month, you'll be up 30% um, from a learning and a knowledge standpoint. And what I try to tell my traders in my meetup group is that we start off every meetup uh, asking one simple question. What have you learned from last month to this month? What have you done to progress towards your annual goals? And obviously, we're getting into that goal-setting season. Um, and I don't want traders coming to my meetup group or involved if they're not constantly making progress because the last thing you want as a coach or as a mentor or whatever it is is to have somebody that's been there for a year still kind of swimming around doing the same things that you and I did for the first five years or whatever you know you, you yeah. really hope that they're doing something to progress every month right I mean it's like you when you first started you you, you happen to be jumping around looking for the next best thing and you kept happened to find it for a certain period of time which was great but when that stopped happening things just fall apart, right? Because Absolutely. you weren't focusing on the right things. And I think that's an important thing. And now, you know, you've turned around, you've come around, and you said, you know, any game of probabilities, that in order to succeed long-term in a probability game, you have to focus on a process and not the result all the time. Absolutely. And just, you know, incorporating all the things that, you, you know, you, you discuss, you know, having a trade plan, just as simple as having a trade plan, knowing that, you know, it's time to put on that next trade. It's time to put on that next trade. It's, you know, it's keep moving forward, keep progressing, keep going, keep going, keep going, and follow the same routine as closely as you can every day. Um, you know, you can't help but learn and improve if you do follow those things you know, follow those things. Right, right. I think it's a it's a process of putting in a, uh, and, I, and I call it a three-step process of, of planning your trade, of executing your trade, and then of uh, evaluating your performance. And if you can continually do that, you'll get better. Yeah, you know, as we had discussed before we jumped on here that I had a computer crash, and so I lost spreadsheets, I lost option view um, data and stuff, and, you know, I'm thinking that maybe it's a good thing because now I've got to put together all my trades again if I really want to do a deep dive into this year, even though I've had, you know, a lot of success, but, you know, I can learn from a lot of the things I've done and, and a lot of the mistakes I've made and still look for ways of improving because um, I think I left a lot on the table. I know I left a lot on the table this year. Right, and I think we all do, and we have to get over that and just continually try to improve, like you said, um, and, and don't worry about what you left on the table, but again, continually improve, and you should improve your process of backing up your computer. <laughs> <laughs> done and done. <laughs> You know, I mean, it's I. I mean, think about it. I, 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 I'm. I was literally that guy that had the XT. I was literally that guy that had the first compact computer for my company um, that I worked for. And in all that time, since 1980 till 2015, not once, not once, did I have an issue. Wow. August. <laughs> so I rolled the dice and it worked until it doesn't work. And when it doesn't work, it's never a good time for it not to work. <laughs> this is true. <laughs> and oh, by the way, I did want to mention that I'm not usually looking that dorky in the picture as I look, but um, I caught myself on a bad day. <laughs> That's okay. You look good. Look good. Um, I just have a question. If you could point to a couple of books you found most useful in your development. Oh, there are a lot, and I actually have a list. Um, you know, obviously the, the Mark Douglas books um, were great, and, you know, it's really sad that we lost uh, Mark recently. Um, you know, he passed away, I think, pretty unexpectedly. Um, mm -hmm this year and stuff and he you know he was a great guy matter of fact I forget which of the two books I read and I noticed that one of them you know had 
it seemed to stop abruptly and I wrote him and he wrote me back and we ended up, he said call me and we ended up spending an hour on the phone discussing that yeah he had a deadline to meet and so we cut it short and there were about four uh, chapters missing um, but uh, super guy. Um, I like um, especially chapter four uh, What's the name of the book now? I've got to go on to Amazon to look. But Brett Steenbarger, um, his books are great. Um, a lot of these guys are writing books, you know, and it's an advantage when you're a day trader because you can your your feedback is daily, and your ability to you know journal and stats and stuff like that is much more hyper. So a lot of the stuff that they write um, is is geared towards those traders, but um, Steenbarger is great. And then recently Steve Ward has a book, um, I'm looking it up right now, I'm, I've got a terrible mind, uh, High Performance Trading, 35 Practical Strategies and Techniques to Enhance Your Trading Psychology. Um, and um, let's see. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll figure it out as we're That's going along yeah, here. All, all great books, yeah, book. those are all great books, <laughs> for sure. And, uh, yeah. Oh, great, that's super. So, um, oh, I have someone says, you, you look great, you look almost like his twin brother. <laughs> <laughs> I've actually been compared with, without the hat, uh, I've actually gotten recognized in Santa Monica as Jeff Daniels. I do have a tendency to be, to look not in this picture, but I do have a resemblance to Jeff Daniels, and I actually had somebody who worked for Arnold Schwarzenegger mistake me for him. Oh, there you go. <laughs> not so bad. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, we just had a request, too, if you could post books, some of, maybe some of your books in your list to the community. So. Yeah, um, absolutely. I'll do that. That's a great idea because um, I've That'd got awesome. some good ones. And, and, you know, that was one of my goals was to at least read one book every month. Um, um, I'll read some, list some books about tiny habits, you know, create habits that are so small it's ridiculous not to do. Like read one page, do one sit-up, do one push-up. They're so small, you, you can't help but do them. Right. <laughs> you know, if, if you're having a tough time journaling, just write one sentence about what you saw today. Just, it's so small that you're going to do it. And then you'll probably write two sentences and three sentences. And yeah, and I agree with you. You know, people look at me and, like, in some of our advanced courses, I teach these huge processes of doing stuff. I mean, and they're just huge. And, and I think a lot of traders look at that as overwhelming. But it was really done, just like you said, one sit-up at a time. You know, just came in and, you know, you start doing this and then you add that to it and then you add that to it. Next thing you know, you have this really great big process going on. And uh, I think that's a great way to develop it. Yeah, it's you just got to find and read enough that something clicks. You might not write believe in every book you read. You might not, but if you could take one or two things away and take good notes, um, you know, again, you'll you'll get that one percent added every day. Um, the Slight Edge was a book about that exact same thing. I think the very first book that kind of discussed doing that 1% every day, just little, it's easy, his, his uh, I think his statement is things are easy to do and they're easy not to do, right? it's easy not to write that sentence, right, but it's yes. easy to write a sentence, it's easy not to, you know, to journal at the end of the day, but it's easy to do, right. so over time, <laughs> the knots add up to big gaps and the you know, the dues add up to big gains in your trading or whatever it might be. Yeah, yeah, it's a huge, huge difference just doing, yeah, just that little choice is a huge difference for sure. Absolutely, yep. yep. Super. Um, did you want to go over a trade? I think that's what people are here for. So. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, you know, one other thing I will say is that in, in being able to Finally, find a trade, um, and I'll discuss a little bit about why I chose the M. Uh, I mean, the bearish butterfly over the M3. But you know, w again, one of the biggest benefits once you start doing that and doing it over and over again, and doing it as you said uh, in one session, um, you know, staying with it for six months so you have time to see it and, and 
hopefully a various amount of environments, you, you're going to know the pain points. And the guys that traded this, I think, in 212 and 13, realize that very quickly when you have a slow grinding market up, um, even though I would suggest that 2014 was like that, you know what the pain point is. You, you know exactly what it is. And I, what I like to say is I've, I traded it long enough to earn the right to start tweaking it. Um, right. right. There, there's, there's no rule that says you have to stick with the rules, but I think you have to first learn them instead of there it's amazing how many people you tell them a trade and the first thing they do is have you thrown Bollinger bands on there John or have you thought about doing it this way and, and instead of <laughs> instead of focusing on changing it learn it first earn the right to tweak it and so that's what I did so I love that I, I knew I that, love that. <laughs> very good <laughs> so I um started trading the bearish butterfly and I learned both the M3 and the bearish butterfly and um, to me I'm, I'm more of I like the black and white at first um, and I like the returns that this presented versus the uh, versus the M3 um, but I, I did I did get tired of that grinding market up so I started adding uh, weekly options uh, as a way to hedge the position and um, I try to put those hedges on um, inside my shorts inside the middle of the tent it, you know wherever possible so if it comes to it you know I, I, I constantly am saying to the market come get me you know come attack my shorts please because right. if it does that means it's coming into the tent so I'll show you a trade that I just did that a little bit um, and then uh, I, I tried to milk the trade towards the end. Um, so I'm not sure how I take the ball or. or well, I'll, I'll present this. I'll, I'll, uh, I'm going to make you presenter, and it's going to prop up your screen. Uh, before I do, though, and I think I mean what you said is just is priceless. Is you know what? Focus on the trade. Learn the trade. Most traders come in and they're always looking for the. Um, you know something that's going to win all the time, no matter what, and they just want it in a box, present it to them, right? And the reality is, is you're much better off going in and looking at whatever trade you're looking at, finding out, just trading it, finding out when it does well, when it does poorly, what the challenges are, and then developing your own way of overcoming those challenges to your acceptable level. I think that's um, just vitally important what you said there. So I'm going to make you presenter. All right, and you should have the ability to show your desktop now. That should have popped up. There you go. Yep. All right, you see uh, option view? Yes, we do. All right, great. So this is the uh, uh, July bearish butterfly that I entered in on May 22nd. Um, show you the analyze screen right there. Your pretty standard trade. Um, and basically, it was pretty calm until. Um, so, what are you, what are you looking at here? Do you have any specific thing you're looking at as far as are you modifying the entry at all? Are you always just doing a straight bearish butterfly? Do you have what's going on with that? Uh, so, the entry, um, I'd say, for the most part, I, I will take a look at the markets. You know, for example. Um, uh, you know the December. I'm sorry, the January. I, I didn't want to be at 1150. Um, you know, so I waited to get an opportunity to get into the 1160. So I will try to take. If I believe there is a stronger bias to the upside, you know, I will try to jump in at a. You know, I'll try to bring the fly a little bit closer to the market, like I did with January. Um, in this case. I think I just did just standard um, 20 points below the market. Yep, 1230. Um, and I'm not, you know, too focused on 56 days. Um, I think one month I let it run in a 40 something. Um, you know, again, I, I understand the nuances that if the market's running away, I'm, I'm saving money. <laughs> Right. Um, by not being in, you know. I did make a mistake with December. I didn't get my price for the 1180s, and I probably would have been out with my Decembers, which are doing fine. 
that I would have probably been out if I had gotten my 1180 on. Um, and you just got to know that. You just got to know if you're letting it run and you're getting in cheaper, that's a trade-off versus, you know, paying up and getting in. And, you yeah. know, you just right. have to live with the, the pros and cons of those decisions. Um, Sure, sure. I agree. Uh, I have someone asking if you could show the actual strikes uh, with the arrows, but yeah. Um, let me see. I think because I've got five widths, let me um, let me change that to ten widths. There we go. Ah, now I'm going to have to change it back to five because when I put on my hedges, um, they're five wide. So. Just... Oh, interesting. Okay, super. All right, so I didn't do anything until June 16th where I added a second fly. Um, here it is. And one of the things I do, the folks, um, is I, I keep notes in three different places. You know, it sounds a little daunting. Uh, it's really not too bad. So I have a spreadsheet where I'm capturing Greeks, so I'm learning, you know, learning how my Greeks uh, change over time. Um, I keep a journal in um, OneNote, you know, with screenshots and my thoughts of the trade and what's going on and kind of a more of a uh, commentary, if you will. And then in my T-log, I will try to take advantage of the notes um, as well. So you can see my first fly put in at 1140. My second fly was put in at 1346 and stuff like that. So try to take advantage of those. It really doesn't take long to type those in and copy them down. Um, okay, super. So here's the analyze graph. Um, you know, again, everything kind of standard. Um, however, we get to the 17th. Um, and I ended up, because the market started to really run. I'm uh, sorry again because I got everything crashed, but I did add some verts inside my tent. Um, let's see if I can show. Now, what prompted you to add those? I felt um, I felt that we were getting, at that point, close to the edge of the tent, and I thought I would get enough money, you know, get enough money for it, um, I could put it inside, but the reality is, is when we're starting to get to new highs, uh, let me see what time I put those on in the day. My guess is that I put them on early in the day. No, I put them on late. Um, I'm not sure if the market reversed. But um, I just felt that we were starting to run. So, I mean, if you think of it from the standpoint of, if I, in this case, when volatility is low, I was getting about 80, 80 cents for a five spread, and I like to be 15 to 20 points away from the market, if, if at all possible, um, at a minimum, 15 points away. Um, right now, I'm getting typically 75 cents to a dollar. Mm -hmm. If I could do that, for one tranche, if I could do that, you know, the goal is $1,500. If I could do that five times, that's $500. It's a third of the way my goal. Right. And every time I'm putting these on, they're inside my tent. You know, so I'm, I'm asking, you know, I call this the mousetrap trade. You know, the mousetrap is behind the mouse. We're building, bigging, building a bigger mousetrap bigger and bigger and bigger, and I'm hoping the mouse will finally get tired, turn around, and come right in the middle of the trap. And this is the cheese. Come get my cheese. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, it's right in the middle. You won't escape once you come in. So, so the next trade, we go up to the 22nd. I just got two just small questions, whether the sure. two, two typical position size. Um, I try to put it on one per fly is, you know, and and I'll apologize right here now. I've got a. a I think a I think the question that was is the primary size of the trade. So I mean, you're doing. Uh, oh oh, I'm sorry. Um, 
Okay, so here's one thing that I learned uh, and I've applied this year. Uh, with my results, oops, um, with my results, um, I was trading way too conservatively for my account size. Mm -hmm. So I have ratcheted it up. So in most of my accounts, I'm three and another, and I'm also managing money now. So in another account, I'm four, and then in another account, I'm at seven. Right. So you so you have you're doing this trade in different accounts, and, and an individual account might only be a, might only be a two Absolutely. lot or whatever. Yeah. Okay. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Right. Um, right. Okay. Super. And then. Um, um, yeah, so that gives us an insight. So you are trading a fairly substantial amount of money. It's just across different accounts. Absolutely, absolutely. And, and um, what time zone are you in? Pacific. Oh, Pacific. Okay, great. And I just, that was a question. They just kind of want to get an idea of what time you're adjusting. And um, how do you choose the strikes on the weeklies? Uh, again, on the weeklies, what I'm trying to do is best case scenario, well, at a minimum, 15 points away from the market. Number two, best case scenario is I'm inside a short. That, I mean, it's, it's not a hard rule, but it's obviously the best case that I'm inside one of my shorts because I, I want the market, if it's going to attack it, I want it to be coming right in the center of my tent. Um, if the market's really running like it did, uh, like it has in the last uh, week, I'll be very aggressive and throw them on. I mean, I, I threw on some for this this month's the December trade that within two days went from eighty cents to five cents just because of how quick this market has moved. Right. Um, so you just have to be aggressive and then and then rip them off if you can. So in this case, again, you could see. I mean, the market was moving very quickly, um, and so I put on a second tranche. These were at 80 cents, and these were at 60 cents, um, just because again, volatility was very low. Look at this: 11.8 is statistical volatility, and our implieds are around 12 and 13. So in this environment, it's a lot harder to get you know 80 cents to a dollar. Um, I put these on nine days before expiration, and I still only got 80 cents. Um, let's see, so here's how it looks. So still, I am diving. I mean, even with those hedges on, they provided very little, very little um, protection. But what it does do also, not only am I bringing in some level of cash flow, it's helping manage my, obviously, my delta-theta relationship. Um, so I'm still at one and one uh, with those on. Um, but again, if you have a very fast-moving market, the good news is you got a little money coming in, but a very fast-grinding market, all of a sudden, they're not helping. You got the money. Right. The market's so fast, you, you've got no protection anymore. The protection's you know, evaporated, and that basically happened yesterday, uh, except for the fact that we're down uh, today. So, so then I think on the next, let's see. Now, are you using any kind of? You're just using the straight, because uh, you know, your baseline's a bearish butterfly, right? Are you just using the straight, yes. ba the straight baseline price point? So you have delta theta rules, or? I, I'm using the basic. I'm using absolutely the basic guidelines. Right. Yeah. I have it, guidelines. It, yeah. yeah. But once I started doing this, I don't think I've ever run into a delta theta issue uh, because I'm cutting my deltas using these verts. So oh. other than that, you know, which prolongs. Again, you have to understand the trade-off. It prolongs the roll until you get to your next adjustment point, but that could be a bad thing because, again, I, I look at December because it's so in my mind, we've sat below 1180 for the past three weeks when, you know, when we hit 1200, I forget how many weeks ago, two, three weeks ago, we've right. sat below that. Right. So that fly that I did not get on would have been paying off in spades. And right. so by delaying a roll, you might be rolling closer to the market or again close enough where you know the market's inside your tent 
and if it sits there, that additional fly is helping you out. If I don't put that fly on until later in the trade, it hasn't helped me at all. You know, so right. I'm hoping that the verts are compensating for that. But again, it's a trade-off, and you just you really have to be cognizant of of the trade-offs that you're doing. Right. Yeah. Because yeah, and like you said, there's pluses and minuses to doing everything, and the way you're doing it, the market stall at the top can be problematic. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Right. And, so, and, you, and just a question, if you don't mind. Sure. If it's too no, many questions, no. just let me know, and we'll stop. No, no. Love it. Uh, Love it. It says, uh, when you add the weeklies, how do you, how do they, if at all, use? Oh, uh, I'm trying to read this. How do you? It's a little weird. I think what he's asking is, is when you add the verticals for the weeklies, you just add that to the regular delta of the position. In other words, you just kind of incorporate it into the position, right? That's correct. That's correct. And, and yeah, what I was going to say is uh, a good trading friend of mine who you're familiar with, uh, when he's asking me about my specific rules, uh, I, I've got to be completely, you know, 100% full disclosure. Unlike the bearish butterfly, my rules are very gray with my verts. Um, you know, the only things I can say is that, like I said, 15 points inside the market, uh, 15 points away from the market, try to get a minimum of 75 cents for a five, you know, five wide, um, try to be inside. But other than that, um, I don't have any hard, fast rules as much as I'd love to have a predefined set of rules that I can send everybody. Um, a lot of this is me watching the screens, because I do it a lot, and seeing the market going ballistic and just, you know, knowing that I'm taking pain, 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 pain. So it's my way of, uh, you know, I'm, I'm far enough away from a roll point so I can either sit here and take the pain or say, you know what, come get me. I'm going to get a little bit something from the market, even if it's right. a few so, dollars. Uh, and I, here's the funny thing about a lot of top performing successful people is a lot of times they do something and they don't really know how they do it. <laughs> <laughs> right. I might resemble that. <laughs> well, it, 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 you see it all the time, right? It's a difference between a good coach sometimes and somebody who's a top performer. I mean, sometimes it's very rare to find both, actually. Um, but uh, I think you have both. But I think you know, in this particular case, you know, you're probably saying, from what you're telling me, it sounds like you're saying, well, I have so many points to my next roll point. What's my position going to look like if that happens? I think the market's going to go up. I should probably do something. Right. Yeah, that roll point's coming. It's a coming. <laughs> right. But in the meantime, in the meantime, I'm going to get something out of this. I'm, I'm going to extract something. Um, you know, but the other thing, too, I, 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 I want to say a big epiphany that I had as well is even though I'm taking some, you know, these are purely directional trades inside of a neutral trade, if you will. Um, and the other, you know, big change that helped me, I know, in last year was knowing that uh, when you're looking at a grinding market up, that is, a, a, you know, there's no other way of describing it as a year-long trend in one single direction. You need to look at other, if, especially if this is your bread and butter trade, looking at adding trades to your portfolio that can take advantage of that trend. Um, so then while you're taking heat in your bearish butterfly, those trades are making up for it. And your portfolio, there was so many times when I would look at my bearish butterfly going, oh, you know, I'm getting hit. And I look at my portfolio and it hasn't moved a bit because between these hedges and other directional trades I put on, my overall portfolio is fine. <laughs> it's great. You know, so don't get tied down into one one thing and one thing only. Recognize that the market's not necessarily conducive for that trade. Doesn't mean you stop trading it, but you might want to add some things to offset it, offset its weaknesses. So. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I think that's um, that's very uh, insightful. So, and also because the market had moved, I did add a third. Uh, tranche. So I was fully into this trade, um, all, all three trades on um, in 30 days. 
Um, and then, of course, because of where these see, so look at a matter of fact. By the way, look at how quickly you know we went from putting these on down at 12:45. That my next tranche was at 12:70. So you know, quite a bit away in just less than a week or in about a week. Um, so again, I'm just watching this market do what it's been doing, which is. You know, go to new highs. I think we were at a new high. Yep, that's what I'm looking. <laughs> nothing, I mean, nothing that's, new after 2013. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's just that's the pain, right? So this helps a little bit until it doesn't help. <laughs> um, but fortunately, so we go to the end of the week, um, or we'll go to Monday, and those basically expired worthless. And then fortunately. Um, the market finally started to, you know, it kind of topped out. Um, oh, I forgot about that day, but obviously that was a winner, winner, chicken dinner when it came back into the tent. Let's take a look at the right. That works out. Chart. Yeah, <laughs> I mean that's the beauty. We had built, as John would say, with this. You know, you want to get the three tranches on, you want to get uh, the three flies on, and that's exactly what we did. And the last one was right here before the market decided to turn around. So obviously, I have no need to hedge whatsoever. Uh, on this trade, you know, I'm trying to get three thousand um, dollars would be our thirty percent target. Um, and then when we got to the second, I think that's when it was, July 2nd, I was at full target. I mean, this is rare. And I am as centered as you can freaking be. <laughs> right. um, so what I did, and it's funny, John, because I was going over some uh, other videos, uh, some older videos recently, and realized, that, and I and I back tested it. What I did here was I decided I'm going to milk this trade, mm -hmm. and I've done that a number of times. Um, so in this particular case, I took off the two wings because we were, you know, the two outside flies because um, we were centered right in the middle of uh, my, okay. you know, now. I will say this, that one of the things that you've said in the past, that if you're in this scenario, one of the things you can do is do the reverse of what I did, right? <laughs> which would be take off the center one and lead the two wings. And actually, I back-tested that last night. And if I had done that, I would have gotten about another $500 of, nice. of profits by doing that. Um, so uh, again, the takeaway, guys, is have the software. Be able to back test different trade ideas and see how they um, see how they work. Um, the other thing I did here, um, let me make sure when I did it, um, was I rolled in. Yeah, so I did roll in my outer, my upper put because of this slope right here. And obviously, we're getting close to expiration, so your gam is really starting to increase. And as John, the other other tidbit that John said to me, I think in one of our first coaching sessions, is a lot of people like being right here, right at the peak. The problem is, is any move in either direction, you're losing money, <laughs> which is a good point, unless hopefully theta, you know, you want the speed upwards <laughs> to be faster than the speed sideways. <laughs> but still, you have to take into consideration what's going on. So I did... Uh, by the end of the day, roll that in, and I'll show you what that looked like. So that really kind of flattened it out. And love seeing this. Hmm. Love saying, you know, if something ginormous happens, I can't lose any money to the upside. And so let's see, go on to the sixth. Um, made it through a nice weekend of decay. Got up to 41. Still, I mean, you got to love that. I mean, this could, you couldn't have asked for a more picture-perfect uh, end to a trade. Um, still, everything looked great. Um, we got to the 7th. Let's see. I think I took this off around 11, but this was... Um, and what time did I take it off? 11.49. So we can go another half an hour. 
And, you know, so I've got 10 days left in this trade, um, but, there, you know, you have to take a look at this and go, okay, do I want to keep adjusting? Is my tent wide enough? And do I really want to risk <laughs> all this that I fought for for this? Right. And the answer for me was no. And so I ended up taking it off. Um, you know, and I think my final numbers were, uh, let's see, I think I made 44% um, on the summary. I don't know why it's not showing it, but I think it was ultimately 44%. And, you know, sometimes things work out the right way because I decided to look a little bit further because I forgot what happened and then sure enough the next day you know I think we dropped yeah 19 points right so right. It's, really it's just the market coiling waiting for you to to get really complacent being in the middle of your yeah. position <laughs> exactly so fortunately I was smarter than the market and, and was able to get out but you know this this was one of those trades that I was able to do to you know uh, do to the modifications, if you will, you know, add my hedge to it, but also try to milk a trade that, you know, if you build that huge mouse trap and, you know, the mouse is in the middle of it, you know, learn, you know, learn ways of staying in it if you can, because the, even though gamma is kicking up, so is theta. And if you could control your gamma, control your T, zero line to let theta really work, one or two days of just sitting there or when they take out some weekend decay, I mean, you could really, you know, go from that 30% to 40, 45, you know, I mean, it's a huge difference. Well, that's where some of the things we do in EM3 might come in, is try to flatten yourself out so you can milk it a little more. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. So hopefully that was some benefit to your Oh, I think that's fantastic. Yes, uh, we have multiple questions. I was just kind of holding off till you got fire, to it, so. fire away, fire away. <laughs> so uh, one of them revolves around if the when the market reverses, when to take off the hedges if you take them off at all. So um, again, no hard and fast rules because based on when I put them on, it could reverse on the first day, it could reverse on the last day, it could reverse somewhere in between. Um, in general, um, they'll, they'll stay on until I know that uh, I'm in, the verts themselves are in trouble and there's probably no chance of some level of recovery. So what you'll find is that even with a day or two to go, they could be deep in the money and you might be able to take them off for 350 instead of the full $5 or something like that. And there's no reason to allow them to go from 350 to $5. So I will take them off. Um, the only time I really got spanked was uh, in August, as everybody recalls, the big fall in August. And the Wednesday, as everything was setting up, um, I actually did take some ruts uh, off and I had in another trade, just as an example, some SVX verts on that were 25 points out of the money that were expiring on Friday and of course the next day I'm on the road in nowhere land when the market gapped down hard and you know I just you know I was able to take those off um, they were halfway with between this the strikes but you just have to know when to fold them but in general I don't unfortunately guys I don't have a hard fast rules that's one of the grace um, that I really kind of try to read the market and really see you know uh, am I going to take a full boat loss if I think I'm going to take a full boat loss take them off and I'll usually uh, be in between 250 and 350. And then I reassess um, if I want to do anything. But, but they accomplished what, they want, what I wanted them to do. Even though I lost money on them, the market's right in the middle of the tent. And, I, and I'd much rather be in that environment. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think your butterflies overtake whatever you lose in the vertical. Exactly. Anyway. Absolutely. Yeah, nice. Uh, and I was asked a question about five versus 10-point verticals. Why do you do fives instead of tens? Um, I've looked at them both. I kind of like, you know, usually, you know, with a five wide, if I could get 60 on a 10 wide, I'm not getting a buck 20. I'm getting a buck or buck 10. 
So from a risk reward, you know, from a risk reward perspective, I'm bringing in more capital. So I rather have more capital. You know, you're never as you get wider, you're never getting compensated the same way. That, that's so true. Take your yeah, that's true. Um, okay, so this uh, uh, seems similar to a bull versus bear trade. Um, yeah, uh, in, in certain ways, I suppose. Uh, are you increasing the risk of the downside considerably? No. Um, again, that's where size does matter, and you have to make sure you know you're you're watching you know how that. I know exactly what that chart looks like, what that graph looks like, um, and um, you are cutting off some deltas, but again, because it's a five-wide spread, the pain just stops, and the negative deltas that you have built into the bearish butterflies are still still remain below your long uh, of your, your verts. So as John said, um, the, the butterflies overall will... Uh, will over, overtake or overcompensate for whatever you you took a hit for. I mean, there's no doubt you took a hit um, that you wouldn't have had to, but again, the trade-off, uh, I'd say, have I lost some of those? Absolutely. I'd say uh, my record is probably 70% of my verts uh, expire worthless. Right. I mean, I, you kind of think of it as there's always components of your trade that are gaining money and losing money, and people right. get overly concerned about that. It's like, you know, if you put on a butterfly, you always have long strikes that are losing money and short strikes that are gaining money, even if you win, right? So. Yeah, you know, and that's, I mean, it, that's why it's all about psychology, right? I mean, I've had somebody, you know, say to me, well, if I roll my one fly to another fly, Mike, you know, if I roll it up, so I've got my three on, and now I roll my lowest up to, so I'm just taking that loss on that lower one, right? <laughs> you uh, yeah. can't look at it that way. <laughs> this is a campaign. That's why we have planned capital. It's all part of it, you know. So, folks, you got to stop looking at each component as a component. It's it's part of a bigger picture. Right, right. right. I think that's very, very important. Uh, speaking of that, somebody asked what planned capital was for the trade. It's always 5K. Now, with that said, that's a good question. Have I run into times when I've got three tranches on and I'm trying to hedge the living crap out of this thing <laughs> and I've gone above it? Yes. And that's happened probably in two trades and you know, and, and that came from, uh, number one, I'm, as I said earlier, I was overly conservative with what I was, how many of these I was trading, no, my overall account size. So until I really started looking at, you know, how much margin and tracking it and tracking that versus planned capital, I never even noticed it was happening because I had so much capital available to me, it wasn't an issue. But... I, I finally, after tracking this, finally go, aha, hey, I'm beyond 5,000 per. So now I do recognize that and try to stay to that 5,000. Right, and you can do simple things like roll up long strikes and stuff to, to bring that down if needed. Right, yeah, exactly. That's a good deal. Exactly. Uh, okay, so do you ever use bearish butterfly expiration guidelines under 21 days to expiration? Or do you just stay with the regular old guidelines or do something else? Um, I would say I stick more or less uh, with the original guidelines um, and continue to hedge the way I have. Um, I haven't. I definitely don't reduce uh, unless you know. I will get tired of a trade. Um, I think one trade I took off at seven percent just because I was tired. You know, I was tired of fighting. I had a winner. I just wanted to move on. Um, you know, another one, I had a 7% loss, my only loss of the year. I could have probably stayed in it longer, and I was like, you know what, I'm tired. You know, it's only 7%. It's way below my plan average. God love it. Let's move on. <laughs> so, <laughs> There's something to be said for that. <laughs> exactly. You get really, really tired. I've been there, man. Um, okay, let's see. Well, I think, yeah, too, John, uh, John Wilson asked this question. But uh, I, th I think, too, as far as going into expiration guidelines with the bearish butterfly, the purpose for me doing that 
in the program is basically to get people up to 10% and out of the trade as quickly as possible because I don't want new people managing these things, these really high gamma big positions close to expiration. Uh, you know, Mike's a different story. He's been, he's an experienced trader and he's looking for maximum profits. So two different objectives there um, yeah. with that. And I think he would probably agree with that. And you time entry on a bearish butterfly. I heard, uh, we already heard that, yes, you do, right? You time the entry. Yep. Uh, any attempt to trade SPX, OEX, or NASDAQ? If no, why not? Uh, you know, that's one of those, to me, that's one of those, let's fix something that doesn't need fixing, right? <laughs> I mean, uh, why don't I add Bollinger Bands? Why don't I, you know, I, I, if I don't, there's no, that. I look at the trade, I earn the right to look at it and say, what's the pain point? The pain point's the upside. So I addressed that. Um, the market for me, um, you know, is the SPX quieter? Sure. But I don't think the speed or the movement in the rut based on my returns has, you know, forced me down that path. You know, it's a, it's a fine question. I don't mean to be flippant about it, but it's it, it doesn't solve a problem that I'm having. So that's why I haven't spent any time looking at those other markets. If it solves a problem for you, um, like if if all you're you're already doing something in the rut, um, which all of my trades end up being in the rut, which does cause some interesting problems. Um, and I am cognizant of that, but I'm not going to fool with my bread and butter trade. Okay. Yeah, I get asked that a lot too. You know, people come to me and they say, you know, they're having trouble making money in the market. I, I just, you know, I can't make money in the market. I say, okay, well, here's this program, you know, an M3 or whatever they happen to buy on the Russell. And before they even try it, the first question out of their mouth is, can I do it on the SPX? <laughs> it's like, we know it works on the Russell. Just trade it on the Russell. What's your point? It's like, well, at some point, you know, we're not going to have the liquidity. I said, yeah, that's when you exceed $5 million. When are you, how much are you trading with it now? Yeah. Um, you know. You know, uh, I, right. I think that the question should all, it, my, I, I'm learning that the question should be, what are you trying to accomplish? Uh, yeah, right. Why, why, there's got to be a reason for that question. So, so what is it that you're personally trying to accomplish by asking, have you tried it on the OEX? Have you tried it on there? Is there something that you're trying to fix that you don't believe the, the, the Russell trade gives you? And let, let, maybe let's address that first. You know, maybe you think the liquidity is bad. Liquidity is fine. It's not an issue. What's, what's your next concern? You know, boom, 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 boom. But uh, right. again, don't try to fix something till you, you know what you're trying to solve. Right, right. I mean, there's nothing wrong with, like I said, wanting other options and stuff, but like you said, what what is your objective? If your objective is just to get profitable, it's like, well, this works, just just do this. If you're if you're already extremely profitable and you have, you know, something else going on, maybe you're, because like, we have people who trade with $10 million or more, and yeah, I mean, that $5 million, you start running into liquidity problems, but if you're... <laughs> If you're a $50,000 trader, don't worry about it. <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah, no, that's, I've never, ever had an issue as far as liquidity fills, nothing, nothing. Right. Matter of fact, Karen, the super trader, left the SPX and moved to the rut because of, because of fill issues on the SPX. Yeah, yeah, the fill issues on the SPX is, well, that's the funny thing. <laughs> that's the other thing that is, uh, important about learning about trading and stuff like that is is you have to have adaptability because things like that happen right yeah but that's interesting that she moved back over to the, to the Russell I, I didn't know that um, that's cool yeah any other questions I can uh, let's see are there times when you have two expirations on absolutely right now All right now Fantastic. Right. right. So, you, so you have some overlapping trades. And, uh, yeah, but again, what's kind of neat is when you, when you first go through planning with this, how much capital do I really need? You know, let, let's say if somebody said, if I want to trade one tranche, do I need $10,000? The reality is no. You really don't need ten. Would I recommend ten thousand dollars? Absolutely. Again, being conservative, I'd probably say more. But the reality is, is you will never have fully $5,000 in the two trades at the same time. It's impossible. Right. 
Yeah, right. You, generally, you, yeah, that, that would be very well. Even if you did, it, it would be easy to repair <laughs> to bring the capital down. But you're right; it's almost impossible to have two yeah. full planned capital trades going at once. It just, it just, yeah. the market doesn't move that way. Right. Um, I think that's, um, I think that's right. And the reason we ask the SPX question is to avoid confusion um, uh, around lots of trades in one vehicle, um, the Russell overlapping strikes, etc. Right and right, so there's there's a there's a legitimate problem that maybe somebody has, which can be solved multiple ways, and you know you can have another account, right? You can have different accounts for different trades and things like that. You don't necessarily have to do that. Um, you know, run. Although over. I did find out you cannot have two margin accounts with any broker; it's illegal. Uh, oh, is it interesting? Interesting. To yeah, find I just found that out as I was trying to have another client come on over, and he tried to create a second margin account. Uh, they said, "Nope, no, right. you can have as many IRAs as you want, but you can't do that." Um, and stuff. So I just think with the SPX, you know, we are. I think we are getting paid something for the extra implied ball. Um, so I'm not uh, sure that that. You know, and this is just spitballing that you'd be able to have the same plan targets of thirty percent. Um, That's what I find. Yeah, you have to do wider wings, wider rolls, lower profit target. So it's not as right. profitable to trade uh, in the SPX. And the other thing is too is you know what's your ultimate goal with trading? You can do in the Russell. Um, you can be like, you know, why are you going? Why are you putting on 30 different trades? I mean, that's another question that I ask a lot of times. Why are you actually doing that? Because the reality is, you know, if you follow our systems and you go to an M21 style system where you're basically custom designing a trade plan for each individual month, then you're maximizing your profit in that vehicle. You're adapting to market conditions automatically. You're doing everything. Why would you have... Uh, my my intent was never for people to run an M3, a bearish butterfly, and a rock trade. Right. Right. That was never my intent. Um, but I, I mean, I understand. I I mean, I trade some um, 22 day iron flies. Now I'm looking at nine day iron flies and stuff like yeah. that. Obviously, I'm a fly. I love the flies. Um, but I'm looking at them all in the rut. So it does. I mean, I get it. Um, what that where the person is coming from. Um, sure. To me, I'm more about trying to figure out how to make it work <laughs> than, uh, than looking at other, because I'm, I'm just, I guess I'm comfortable in the rut. I just, I know it like the back of my hand. I know how painful it is every day, and I guess I, I love pain. <laughs> well, you know the asset, you know how the options react and stuff like that, and if you know the SPX to that level, there's nothing wrong with doing the SPX. Um, right. But the thing is, to be jumping vehicles back and forth is yeah, it's probably more detrimental than anything else. Um, yeah. I think you're better off to break yourself up into sub-accounts and track the trades differently, even if you're jumping on strikes. Um, if you're yeah, and that's that. what I do. Yeah, in 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 option view and in in thinkorswim, I do split them up versus looking at them as one mighty trade for sure. Right, right. We'll do that. So uh, I guess we'll go one more question, then we'll get going because it's getting late here. But uh, can sure. you t can you tell us more about the working of your trading group, and do you do technical analysis of the markets and so on? Um, so I assume they mean my meetup, um, and if not, they can get me at um, you know if you want to type in mschwartz00 at gmail dot com with any other follow ups. Um, I can also give them my Skype ID. I think it's just Mike.Schwartz in Skype. But my meetup group, what I've tried to do is instill a, a process that I believe, you know, even in the meeting. So we always start, ironically, exactly the way John starts every Monday morning meeting, which is a review of the markets. And people, you know, I always ask one simple question, up, down, or sideways? That's it. And they go, of course, you always get the smart ass going, what time frame? <laughs> you know, and, um, to me, I'm you know, it's whatever time frame floats your boat. But it should probably be the time frame based on your your trading horizon. That's your the trades that you incorporate. And I'm a really simple guy. If you just mark an up arrow, up down or sideways arrow every day for the Dow, SPX, and the Nasdaq, just do something as simple as that. <laughs> if all the arrows are constantly going up, and you're in a trade like this, that's below the market. 
you know your risk is higher, right? And it's to me, it's looking at the market. You can use it for timing. Number one, you can use it as a risk, as a you know a basis of risk, right? And if the market is, if the market conditions have changed where they're not congruent in line with your trading the, the strengths and weaknesses of your trading methodology, the one thing you can do not only just adjust your timing, adjust the size. Right? Um, do things like that, but don't be blind to it. Um, then I always ask, after that, I always ask, you know, what does somebody learn? What, what progress are you making made from last month to this month? Um, I don't care how small it is, you should be making some progress learning. You should have learned something. Uh, I'll leave it with this. One of the, the women who was a billionaire who created Spanx was uh, from England or whatever and you know billionaire for creating tight pants for women um, they interviewed her and they asked you know was what did your dad instill something in you or, or whatever she was oh our, our our dinner tables every night were very interesting we would sit around the dinner table and dad would ask what did you fail at today and if we hadn't failed at something we were not learning so don't be afraid of failing because you're learning. And then write it down and make that progress every day from one month to the next. Yeah, that's fantastic insight. <laughs> most, most traders are, are afraid to fail. They're afraid to lose that trade. They're afraid to make the wrong move. And in doing so, they are really, really slowing themselves down. Yep, 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 yep. Indeed. All right. Well, that's super. Mike, it was just fantastic talking to you today. And uh, I, and you know, one of the things I say is it's not the mechanical part of your trading that's going to make you successful. It's the, a lot of the things that Mike talked about today about uh, you know mindset and staying on focus and continuous improvement every single day. That's what's going to make you successful. And uh, you know, I hope everybody gets that from, from, the, uh, from the conversation because I believe that's what you were trying to convey. Is that correct? Absolutely. Absolutely. Right. Right. Well, thank you. Thank you for sharing this with us. And Anytime. Your mentality. And uh, we, we wish you the best success going forward as well. Yep. Thank you. And I really appreciate you having me on. And good luck to everybody. And uh, have a happy Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving, everyone. Bye-bye. Okay.